Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and Jamie Rivers. Uh, this podcast, uh, it is a hockey-based podcast, but uh, that's not all where we go. You know what I'm saying? It's got a lot of different directions in which okay, that we can so take it. Yeah, it's like so Kirkwood. Right away, yes. That's a good point by it's like you, Kirkwood. Jeff. It goes everywhere. Yeah. You're allowed back yeah. in Kirkwood? No. no okay. No, no, no. I was wondering. It's from memory. It's the last time you've been in Kirkwood. Uh, quick question. I was thinking about this as I walked out of the gas station with my coffee this morning. I thought to myself, okay, how does a single person, a young person, go about finding a date these days? And it's not because I'm looking. I just thought to myself, everybody's in masks. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? Like, if you had one question to ask a female, like, if we go back to the days of, let's say we're 25 right now. Oh, God. Okay, well, let's maybe a little older because 25 was a little bit of a blur. Let's go 30, okay? <laughs> okay. And you're trying to date somebody or you'd like to because the pandemic has been a bunch of you know what. Mm-hmm. But everywhere you go, people have the masks on. And look, it's safety first. It's not what I'm saying. But you're covering up half of the person's face. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. So, and this is one thing I brought up with my wife. I'm like, you notice how women in general are like blinging out their eyes these days? Because it's the only thing you can see. So people are going like heavy with the eye makeup and new stuff and the eyelashes mm. and all this. And I was like, mm. I'm like, I guess that's what you do now because to put full face and makeup and whatnot, that nobody really sees it. Yeah, I haven't brushed my teeth in six months, probably. Yeah, <laughs> and we understand that because you've changed microphone muffs like seven times. <laughs> the last one's actually melting. last one's actually dust. We vacuumed it. Um, but no, seriously, I was sitting there and I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask these guys. When we get in there, so let's just play a game for a second. You have one question to ask a female if you were 30. No, no, Donnie, it's not, not going to be like question. that. Not that one. Not no, creepy. no. I'm, here's no. This is what I'm saying. Here's why I'm shaking my head. Listen. I'm not a guy that's going to get a girl with one sentence. 
you got to get to know me a no, little it's bit not more. No, it's not a pickup just, line. Oh, it's, it's not a pickup. Just a question. No, just a question because what do you really know about them right now? You see, you see a set of eyes. They're probably pretty eyes, or you wouldn't be looking at them. Right? So then what's your I question? It. I got it. I got it. Okay. This is easy. Yes. I really, really, really want to see your Just, mouth. Can I say that? Like to the... You can say... That's kind of creepy. But you know what? It is a question. Was it, was it too many reallys? Is that one made it creepy? I really, really, really want to see your mouth? It was... Yeah. I think the delivery itself Just was... one was one really... I think I need a shower. Listen, here's the thing. How about just really, really want to see your mouth? The, the thing is, is that I knew, I knew you were going to say something creepy, but I <laughs> felt Jamie, the creepy right? in that one. You know what I mean? Like, the, like the hair on my whoa. body just crawled back inside the skin. Um, all right, I'll anti-aging. Go, so, You're welcome. So I'll go next. My question would be simple: would be like, hmm. Do you have more teeth than I do? <laughs> what are you hiding back there? Because. I'm missing a few teeth, and I'd like to know that they have a full set. So, do you have more teeth than I do? Like, so between the two of you, you got a mouthful at least. Yeah, but I'd like, I like girls that I talk to, or when I did, or my wife, and to have a full set of teeth. It's just mm. kind of a prerequisite. That's for just me. something for you. It's Dottie, just something what for would me. You say? So, what I, would you say to them? Now, I don't know if that would make sense because she say, "Yes, I do," but then maybe she has a mustache. So right. I don't know. Which is nothing wrong with that. No, I mean it's playoffs. Donnie would bring up music. Something I'd like have music. to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my only in, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It ain't the looks. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but but that works Donnie. to your advantage, you're right? Because now you're half covered, too. Well, right. Well, sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to put well, but seven see, but no, on. But see, here's the thing. I feel like from, from beginning of forehead down, I'm okay. It's just this dome of a head. Jesus H. I should What's be friggin' charging dome? billboard space for this. Hold son on of a second. Bitch. Hold on a second. You've no, it's never, big. I know, but you've never no, fully embraced like total baldness, have you, or have you? Well, listen. I this is my way of embracing total baldness. Do you think you have a big head? Oh yeah. Look I've how oval it is, dude. Look how I've never know. once. Thought I don't that think. So. I don't. Ever. If we took a measurement, I don't think your head's that big. Uh. Uh-uh. It feels that way. Okay. You guys are being very nice to me today. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, and you got a great ass, too, Donnie. Oh, thanks, buddy. Is that too much? I appreciate that. that I don't much? know what I would say. It would have to be something with music, though. But yeah. I was never good at that particular... Me either. Like, like I, I'm not a say clever thing, make girls smile, then you're in. Don't worry I, about the smile. You can't see it anyway. You can't see it anyway. Yeah, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Really so, like point. Jeff's question... No matter how creepy and ridiculous it was, he can't even see the vomit. And she vomits in her mouth. <laughs> she, I can't see her going, Ew. Like that. Wow. I wow. wonder, you know, just as we're talking out loud here, like, I wonder how long we are looking at until we are in a maskless world again. And I know it's a while. I'm not saying people should start ditching them. I know I know there, but I mean it's. But I just wonder how long it'll be. Well, uh, you can go out to Sullivan, Missouri. About half of it's gone there. Just so you know. Yeah. Well, Texas has said goodbye to masks. Yes. Oh, now, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Look at. I think the better question, not the better, the bigger question is: Will we ever get back to a masks maskless world? Because there's going to be people, as we know, that like forever. We'll yeah. be like, yeah, you know what? It ain't worth it. Well, keep in mind. I'm going to keep my mask we, on. We never did have an actual maskless world because I believe it's China. It's a very, very big – or no, Japan. It's a very, very big thing to, if you are sick, just put a mask on. Like if you've got a cold, you're – I don't know if it's a rule. I'm sure it's not a rule, but people walk around with masks on when they have a cold. But I'll tell you what, though. They now, fly which with them on, okay. too, which yeah. I always thought to myself, I'm like, okay, that's a little bit overkill. And then right. now I'm like – yeah, maybe I should shut up. Double well, up. you know, I think when Layer. I when Double I get up. sick or when I'm not before. feeling well, I think I'll wear them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like 
I, I, I just, I just wonder when that time is going to be because now at this point, I've, I've. I've got like a really nice, nice stash of masks. Yeah, I think so, it's. You know, I th- like, honestly think I'm it's. All right how often do you wash your masks? Pretty often. Because I I've do gotten, every Monday here. I've got I've got like ten different masks, and I wear try to wear one every day, uh-huh. a different one every day. Now there's certain days where you double up. I'm actually trying to color coordinate the masks. Like it's become Ooh, fashionable. Yeah. Now, wow, right? look at this guy. Which I can't believe, by the way. That right, like Ralph Lauren and some of these places haven't taken full advantage of this and come up with like super stylish masks. I know like some of the Grammys and all that. Yeah, I was going to say some of them. Some of them, but for your everyday people, I can't believe like the Target or Walmart or any of these places, Kohl's doesn't have their own brand of masks with like a whole bunch of pattern selections and stuff. Right. Because right now, what do we have to to like show some flair, right? Like Jeff, you've got your style. Mm-hmm. I've got my style. Donnie's got his style. Wouldn't it be great if you had masks that coincided with your actual style? Yeah, I like it. I do too. Yeah, look at last this minute blues there. podcast now in the fashion world. Man, absolutely. <laughs> there is really not a lane that we do not get after here. You know, I think uh, to, to go to go to hockey here, right quick, dudes. I, listen, I, I feel as though we're starting to feel. Um, the Blues fan base, or at least a portion of the fan base, get a little uneasy, get a little yeah. angsty uh, after the game on Saturday. And I just, I just kind of want to talk to you, everybody out there. I love you. I think you're great fans. But I think we got to take a breath, and you still just have to realize what the team is missing before you get. You know, I mean, you can get irritated that they lose. Fine, sure, I get it. But you cannot get mad. Like, seriously. Wow. And I think I'm starting to see some people. That says that is, a lot coming from Donnie. It really you know does. Donnie's telling people yeah. to calm down. That, wow. For real. Yeah. But, I mean, when you have as many, and we've said it a thousand times. What about Pierre Maguire? Can he calm down? <laughs> oh, dude, he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? I mean, I just feel like the angst needs to be kind of properly channeled here at this point. Well, I think the angst from the weekend, at least for me, comes from... Letting two ga- well, letting a game slip away, maybe that you should have won, and then one that you got embarrassed. But more than the score, and God, he's staring at me, and I know he's just judging everything yeah, I'm I know. saying. It's I hard, know. but that God. has nothing to do with the podcast. No, it I doesn't. I just stare right. at you in amazement, and I'm always judging you. Right, that that's a for good like point. twenty plus years now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was more disappointed that nobody did anything to exact any revenge on Stone. And, by the way, he skated around and scored how many goals, pumping his fist in the air, that stupid grin on his face. I started hating him more than Marchant, and that's saying a lot. And I'm not saying somebody needs to put him through the boards or anything like that. But what I'm saying is somebody should have put him through the boards. And if anybody's going to come back with, well, Reeves is over there lurking, blah, 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 you don't have to fight Reeves, correct? I was just very disappointed that two games you had a chance and to nothing. Okay, the the Friday game— my mind frame, because I was kind of wondering that too, was you want to get the points before you want to get revenge because you could, you've got time that you could potentially do that. But then when you see what's going on on Saturday and you're like, boy, this sure like feels like an opportunity that that sort of thing could happen, then I, I do kind of share that disappointment as well. But then at the same time, man, I don't want anybody else getting hurt. You know, by by, well, by doing anyway. the right, what it happens anyway, jeez. So I don't know what what's the call there, Jamie. Like, what's the is there disappointment for you that that, that nobody did that? If you were the coach, would you be upset that nobody did anything? Well, it's difficult as the coach, right? Because the coach these days, specifically, and a guy like Craig Berube in particular, who played such a hard nosed game, 
it's tough. You can't sit there and go, I wish my guys did this. Because then people are like, oh, I get it now. They're the old school fighter just wants his guys going out to goon it up. It's not, there's no moral victory in that, right? And in the public's eye, the perception of everybody else, not St. Louis Blues fans, it can be squirrely these days. Like, God, you know, you're all, you guys are on social media. You, you see all the BS on a sure, daily basis. Yes. So to make it easy on the coach, somebody has to just step up and do it. And, you know, you don't ask permission. You don't talk about it. You just go out and do it. Yeah. And if it hurts the team and they get a power play goal or whatever, you ask for forgiveness. But Did, at the same time, you sent a message. Yeah, so just a hit, just a hard legal hit. Who's the person in your mind that you think would be able to do it? I bet you and I are on the same page. Do you want me to answer? Or yeah, are you... I, I think Braden Shen would. I, I was waiting for Braden Shen to be that guy to the legal hard hit, and then if Stone wanted to go, he would be there to go. I wanted to see Sammy Blay. You know, Sammy Blay is a, I call him a kitchen sink hitter, and all that means he throws everything at the guy, including the kitchen sink. Like, he's not afraid to take 20 strides into a guy mm-hmm. and try to put him into you know, the 12th row. <laughs> right. And he's a guy that he's playing very well for the Blues right now. I think he's playing really well. Some of the best hockey he's played since the beginning of last year. But he's a guy that you're okay losing for, you know, three or for two, four or five minutes, mm-hmm. you know. So Braden Shen, absolutely he would do it. But I'm tired of Braden Shen having to do it. Oh, I agree with you. I'm just saying I thought he would be the guy that he's would like do it. He's like your second or third top scorer on the team. I don't want him doing that because if he does that, then he might face retribution from Ryan Reeves. And everybody talks about, oh, well, they had Revo, Revo, Revo. And he ran around. He ran around like he had diplomatic immunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hit everything that moved. And the only pushback he received in the two games was from a young man named Dakota Joshua, yeah. who lit him up behind yeah. the net. And then one of the other Vegas players stepped up and fought Dakota Joshua, and they had a little tussle, nothing major. But that was the only pushback on Ryan Reeves, who I think Mackenzie McEachern, I believe he's out now because of Ryan Reeves and one of those hits that he received. So, you know... It's a fine line there, and Kyle Clifford is a guy we talked about to keep the flies off, but that's an awfully big fly mm-hmm. in Ryan Reeves. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to old-school tactics on this one because there were teams that had guys that I wasn't going to mess with. Yeah, Twister would and whoever else, but Rudy Poshak would have, but they're not always out there, right? So the tactic that I always had, I'm going to go hit your best player. And you come after me, great, I'm not going to fight you, but I'm next shift – your top two guys better keep their head up again. Right, Because yeah. the more you mess with me, the more I'm going after your good player. So in Vegas's situation, I would take a run at Stone, and if Stone didn't answer the bell and whatnot, and then Ryan Reeves comes over and wants to talk to me, I'll be fine. That's fine. Be, hey, listen, I'm not dropping my stick, so if you want to eat graphite for the rest of the game, that's fine. Right. And then as soon as I don't get out there against Ryan Reeves, I'm going right after Stone, Shea Theodore, Marcia So, you name it. Any of those talented guys, uh, Alex Tuck, I'm in their space 24-7. And then Ryan Reeves is going to lose his mind at one point because I'm not respecting his, you know, his authority on the ice because he's the big dog and he, you, know, you won't even fight me. No, I won't. But I'm going to punish every single guy on your bench, including the damn water boy, if you keep this up. So in me reading between the lines as the genius in which that I am, I do not believe that you are particularly thrilled with the lack of answer back from the Blues over the weekend. I understand the first game not going out like a bunch of idiots, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's a very winnable game. And the second game, contrary to popular belief, 
was a very winnable game until the third period. Mm-hmm. And then things kind of folded up in the third period. I, I'm a big believer in you can get things done without completely sacrificing the game. It doesn't have to be an absolute gong show out there to get your point across. Right. You play hard. And every time Mark Stone touches the puck, you finish him. How many times did he get to the front of the net and score? Oh, my gosh. Uh, how mean, many times could they have the, finished Jeff, him? Jeff, he's and standing much, in the crease I was just scoring gonna, goals. And I was just going to say, like, like, <sighs> and I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, not just their scoring goals, but just general freaking time in a dangerous-ass place where he wasn't being touched by anyone. It's tough. Mm. I think that... I think that the Blues can learn from this. I think they have to. I think that there has to be way more pushback from uh, the net front guys. There has to be more pushback as a whole. We used to have a team long time ago, uh, no real big tough guys on it. It was like, but if one guy was in, all five guys were in. And that always seemed to stop the BS because if you had to get involved with a Bob Probert, per se, and somebody got and got like, uh, isolated with Proby, then four other guys would come flying in, and guess what? The referees came in. Nobody ever really gets loose and all. That. But now every time you play a team, it's like, oh my god, one guy's uh, every all five guys. And that that was when I was in Ottawa. We didn't have a tough guy. There are tough guys. And listen, I'm I'm kind of discrediting myself here. Myself and Shane Knighty were like the tough guys on the team. And Shane Knighty's a tough kid, and I played a tough brand of hockey, but that's not tough guys when it sure. comes down to difference. It. Yeah, it's a big difference. But every time there was a scrum in Ottawa back then, and we played some teams that had a whole bunch of enforcers. Toronto Maple Leafs had Ty Domi and Gary Roberts and Manson on D. They had some tough ass dude, Wade Belak, all those guys. And every time one guy in, we're all in, and it it limited some of the BS. So if you're going to have a problem with a certain team and you do something, then everybody has to be committed to being involved with it. Who was the guy that uh, a couple, two, three years ago, that when he would start in a fight, he would, like, jump? Like, Oh, uh, Kevin Bieksa. Okay. He used to do the Superman punch. Yeah, the Superman thing, that last name that you mentioned. Is he still around? Is he still? No, he retired a couple years okay. ago. He's doing you know some TV. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. We'll show you the YouTube, but okay. if you, if it's Kevin Bieksa, Superman punch. He was the first one to do it. It's, a, it's an MMA move, and he knocked the guy out right away with it. It was kind of cool. Oh, by, <laughs> by the way, sorry to get off. Uh, uh, I mean, we're... Well, the guy he knocked out was Radko Gudis, who I don't think anybody feels sorry for that guy. He's he's taking a lot of cheap shots on guys. Oh, really? Um, the Was it here? And then I saw you re-talk about it on the TV with the dude's fighting style where he grabs and he tries to roll your arm over yeah. and then punch you. Did you talk about that here, too? Yeah, I thought I you, think did you did. When you were but then talking you... about the the cat from oh, yeah, San Jose, yeah, yeah. Curtis yeah, Gabriel, San Jose yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw you talk about that yeah. on the TV. Brilliant analysis of that. I mean, I don't know if you saw that or not, but I and you isolated it so it's easier. But he was like grabbing the arm and rolling it over, and then his the per, his opponent would be like this. Then you're all exposed. Oh yeah, yeah. He no tried way. that a couple of times on whatever the video was that yeah. you were showing. He um. It's it's effective. Yeah, right? it really and seemed it's, to be. It's it is like an MMA type move where somebody comes to grab you or gets a hold of you. You try and rotate, so the rotation throws them off balance. And he's a big, strong guy. So when you grab onto the jersey, you're thinking, "I got this." But then the force of you know twisting your body with body weight and pushing it usually makes the hand at least drop off a little bit. If not, it forces you to rotate, leaving that whole side of your head right exposed. So then you come flying down with the right. It's 
it's a good move. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the one more thing on the stone thing, unless you had something else on it, uh, as far as exacting any sort of revenge, throwing a good hit or seeing if he'll drop the gloves or something like that, would it be better to do with something like that at the beginning of the game where it's still 0-0 or later on or in the middle of it? Like if you were the coach and you wanted or if you were the player, when would you do that? If it was going to be a, like, I think I want to drop the gloves with this guy and send a message, it's first shift. Okay. Get it out of the way. It scores 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, if I get an extra two minutes for instigator, which hopefully I don't, but if I do, um, even if they score, it's really early in the game. And, it, you know, you don't want to give up too much. Vegas is a really good hockey team. So you don't give them too much opportunity. Otherwise, the strategy is, as a group, you're like, okay, boys, every time 61 gets out there, you don't pass up a hit. Yeah. Never turn away. Don't blow snow. You know, you're going right through that guy every single time. And then nobody engage. That's the ultimate frustration. Yeah. When you go level a guy every single time you play against him and he wants to chirp or slash or whatever, and you just kind of sit, skate away. Yeah. It's just business. I'm telling you, I used to drive guys nuts that they wanted to like follow me home and run me <laughs> over with their car because the strategy was to just get out there, run them over face wash them and then skate away mm. and the next shift do the same thing and, and they'd be like rub, rub, like swallowing their tongue and i'm like ah, sorry no, don't care shift over <laughs> you know i think one of the things that was pretty apparent to me and it's something that we obviously all knew but uh full-on display even without petro was man these nights are deep and boy are they good i mean the blues are going to very much have their hands full and have to be at a hundred percent to to beat these guys. I mean, and, and, you know, granted, I don't watch the hockey that you watch, Jamie, but to me anyway, Vegas seems to be the best team that I've maybe seen all year. In our, well, I'll say the Western Conference, right? But what is the Western Conference sure. anymore? Uh, with the Honda West Division, they are the best team. They're the deepest. Uh, they play a very physical brand of hockey, as we saw. They score a lot of playoff-type goals, which is, you know, six feet or closer to the net. They're built for a playoff run, and right now they're getting goaltending from Mark Andre Fleury, who's found the fountain of youth somewhere. And this guy, this cat, is almost unbeatable in there. So you add Petro back to this team, yeah, they're the ones to beat. If you go to the other side, or if you look at a different division because of it's so weird this year, Tampa Bay Lightning, man, that's a damn good hockey team. And they're talking about they're going to get Kucherov back for the first day of playoffs. Oh. So, so you know what that means, right? He's like nine point eight million or something on the cap, but the first day the playoffs start, there's no more cap salary goes cap. Away. Ah. So they're building him all the way up, like the like well, like the Blackhawks did with Patrick Kane the year they won the cup, and he came back and they recognized no salary cap. But less that's the rules. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Had Vladimir Tarasenko stayed out all year, and we would have been up to the salary cap, and then day one of playoffs, Tarasenko's deemed healthy to play. We'd have been okay with that. Yeah, oh, it is 100%. what it is. Right. Okay. So my question is, and this is more probably at the top ahead because of who we were just playing, Vegas. Who I agree, best team in, at least in the division. And then we have all the injuries too, and then you have all of the people that left in the off season, whether going somewhere, signing, retiring, whatever. They didn't resign these people. Are we still in a window or not? We are. Oh, are you yeah. promise? No. Look, here's the thing. Well, well, what's that definition, though? What's the definition? Because last year we were in a a window, and then yeah. we lose Bowmeister, Petrangelo, Steen, whoever else I can't think of, uh, Pat Maroon, the other year. 
what is the definition of the window and how many people we got to lose before we don't have a window anymore? But but I also or am think, I missing am I misinterpreting the term? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump before Jamie because then he can tell us why we're wrong or right. Right? Or yeah, that's the way we should work <laughs> but, all the time. But, but yeah. here's, God, you guys give me way more credit than I deserve. All right, but here's what I think though. All right, so if you're losing. Obviously, you're losing Bo Meester, but uh, and and Petro, but you gained Krug. You lost um, Steen, but you gained Kairu. So, like, I think that there are losses. We're we have some replacements. I just think that the injuries have kept those replacements from potentially playing and filling those spots as well as they potentially can. Because they're not necessarily playing in the right spot or right. have and, the right partner. But man, or if you think about the nucleus of the team. In Pareko, in Bennington, in 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 Krug, in Peron. Ter- Tarasenko, in Peron, in T- I mean, we have got a lot of tremendous players that I think that even if the injury bug, obviously, I hope this doesn't happen, but if the injury bug continues to gnaw at us this year, I think this team is still in a good position next year to 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 be a substantial force in the West. Yeah, the window for this team is probably the next two or three years. But but know. why do you say that? Though? Well, the reason I say that is a couple things. One, the guys you all brought up that were missing from the Stanley Cup run or from last year, yeah, those guys are irreplaceable. Sorry. Sorry right. to break your heart. You're That's not, why I think we're not in it anymore. No matter who you signed, you didn't get an Alex Petrangelo in return. No matter who you signed, you didn't get Jay Bomeister. I get that. You know, you didn't get Alexander Steen, uh, the, the, who has so many great talents that, go unseen to people who don't know a lot about hockey and certainly his, his efforts in the locker room and as a leader, they're unmatched. So yeah, you don't have them, but guess what? You do have a team full of players that are very talented. And to your point, Donnie, when you get back everybody, this team will be so deep. It's crazy. You add Schwartz back. You add Robert Thomas. Just add those two right now to your lineup. I can't I didn't think even about think that. of Robert Thomas until right now. Now, all of a sudden, your top three lines are dangerous. Who the hell do you cover, right? And so you add another guy, uh, Tyler Bozak. If he's healthy, you add him back. All of a sudden, that stabilizes your third line. Now you've got Sunquist and Bozak on the same line, and then probably Hoffman or somebody on the left wing over there. And then you've... If you at the trickle down effect, you end up with Blay, Barbashev, and Clifford on your fourth line. All of a sudden, things look pretty damn good. Yeah. And then you look at the blue line. You got Colton Pareko comes back. The trickle down effect again means that Pareko gets to play twenty five minutes. Justin Falk, hope about twenty two, twenty three. Krug less responsibility on him because look, he's a great defenseman. But I think we saw some things over the weekend to where it'd be nice to have a little size sure. back there, right? Yeah. Um, and that's no disrespect to Tory Krug. He's played all this time and made all this money and done far better than I ever did as an undersized defenseman. But there's times where you need that size. I wish I could have taken a picture when Jeff said Robert Thomas's name and he looked at me. <laughs> it was, I can't even describe it. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, that guy. I forgot about him. Just think about your lineup. When you add all yeah. that back, you add Robert Thomas, you have Kairou, the emergence of Kairou. You have Mike Hoffman, who is a solid point getter for your team. I think we're seeing... I think we're seeing where the deficiencies are in Mike Hoffman because this team has to be tighter checking right now. And I think we're seeing that that's not necessarily his strong suit. So we're seeing less ice time for Mike Hoffman. But when the game's on the line, he's out there. He finds a way to get open. He makes plays. Uh, So if you had him in a third-line role and you had him in a power play role, all of a sudden, like, you're really deep. So for me, Jeff, to answer your question about the window, 
if you think about all those guys, delete Hoffman for next year right. because he's not going to sign. It's so funny you say that because when I see him sitting on the bench, I'm like, don't make friends. You're not going to be around. <laughs> don't even don't unpack. laugh at Tarasenko. <laughs> don't even unpack. No, no don't even nice. unpack. Don't look at these that's people. That's not nice. No, but it's just kind of the way it is. And then you add to Jordan Bennington just resigned for six years. Yeah. So you've got a number one goalie. Now, your your defensive core is set. Krug and Falk are six years, seven seven years left on their deal, including this season. Pareko is the only one that comes up in a year's time. So not this season. After next season, he's an unrestricted free agent. Army's going to have to make a decision there. You have nothing in the pipeline to replace Colton Pareko. Nothing. Right. Got some prospects, some good young D. You have nothing that replaces six foot six. That's a one man breakout. Right. You can't. There's nothing there. So you have to resign him. So now when you move up to the forwards, you have Cairo, Thomas, O'Reilly, Tarasenko. Like, go through the list. You have a ton of guys. Where are the uh, – you don't need to go over all of them. You may not even have this information, but where are we at on, like, a Pareko and a Bozak? And I I heard Schwartz was skating. Schwartz is skating. Everybody gets excited, but you skate for a couple, two, three weeks before you get back in a game, right? Can be, yeah, but at least he's on the ice. You know, let's do right, right. yeah, yeah, it. sure. Uh, I, I don't mean to be negative, you guys, at all. But oh, when I was dude. watching that game, I was like, we always say we're in this Stanley Cup window, but this team is head and shoulders above us right now. Yeah, but we're filling it's the, the injuries, roster out yeah. with fourth liners See, right I now. I told you he would tell me I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and I get it. There's emotions that come with this, and the team did really well on their last road trip, which is confusing sometimes too. But they were lesser teams, which is again confusing sometimes because you think you're better than you are. Yeah. Um, and they were tough wins. They battled. They did it. So all the credit to them. But they did it with a bunch of third and fourth liners apart from the big dogs. Right. right. And the big yeah. dogs are playing so many minutes right now that they can't possibly do anything more than they're doing right now. So getting guys back as we go here game to game to game will definitely help this team. The, the Blues are in kind of a, a, a an amazing position that I didn't ever kind of think we would ever be. But so they've had the success. Therefore, they've had to maybe trade some top picks in order to get the Ryan O'Reilly's and things. Jamie, if you're the Blues and you don't have any of those big prospects anymore, the cupboard is bare because they're all here, and you don't have the high picks, boy, can you talk? And, I mean, obviously it it talks to the importance of, of, of the scouts and finding the guys in the third and fourth round, but how did the Blues go and replenish the stocks without the big picks? Well, it's a lot more work on the scouting staff, yeah. and they have to dive deeper into what players could evolve into. You have to look at players early and say, okay, it's a bit of a gamble, but I see this, this, and this, and I think that the other things he needs, we can work on. You're not looking for the perfect player. You're not going to have them, and that's just a fact, Because unless you start to suck, which is not what this team is going to do. And unfortunately, even if things don't go well, they'll be too good to be – in the talk for uh, a top pick. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Stuck in that gray area, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the cupboards, they're not bare. There's some good young players still available. Heck, your guy, Clem Costin, is still hovering around. And, and I hear he's not hurt. I hear he played. Well, he's hurt. But he played. He's right? in Russia. Notice he didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me he played. <laughs> he's in Russia. Mm. That means he needs so to play. So he's hurt and he's being made to play because he needs to play and it's the playoffs <laughs> and he doesn't want to wake up and find his 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 Siberian husky head next not, to him in a bed. Yes, yes, not in the backyard like it's supposed to be. Donnie, you're wise. <laughs> Donnie, you're wise. Um, no, man, I just listened to your stories from Russia. I'm not dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw them like wheel him out the next game. He played like nine minutes. Oh, I, I swear really? to God he had Damn a it. sling on his arm. When, oh. I, I'm like, but Damn so Doug Armstrong, I'm sure, had to be like... <laughs> 
yeah. it's just clicking. You're ruining my stuff over there. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it's not as serious as we thought. If it just popped out and it popped it back in, it's not unheard of for a guy to play. The problem with that is it pops out a lot quicker the next time. And mm-hmm. that's why you give a guy a break. You pop it back in. You give him about a month before you reintroduce mm-hmm. him to the lineup. You put a little shim in there or something to keep it in there, a staple? <laughs> the, the tendons and all that stuff has to tighten up again. Uh, when you put a guy right back in there, it's just loose. It's like just flying in and out of the socket. Ugh. So I, I'm really sorry, but when this particular topic, it just turns my stomach, man. Like the the the, oh, the, the idea of separating and then pushing it back. Mm. Do you ever do that? Do you ever have oh, that yeah. done or yeah. see it done or <laughs> look, hear it look done? At the look. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> my left shoulder still pops out at times. Dude, I mean, do it for us. <laughs> no, not unless you want party some tricks with Jamie. <laughs> party tricks with Jamie. It's been a while, but I can tell you, the longer the gaps are between it popping out, when it pops out, it hurts more. No, that makes sense. So when it's going in and out and in and out, you know, it's kind of like it hurts, but you can kind of get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, you've got a lot of injuries that you deal with, Mm-mm-mm-mm. gentlemen. Uh, we've got a stack of emails here. Uh, yeah, we've uh, got to figure out how we do this, okay? Because mean, our yeah. listeners have been so awesome yes. with emails and questions. I've got a backlog on our Twitter, which, by the way, is at blues underscore last, and so I'm dealing with that. You're dealing with the emails. Yeah, we're gonna have to figure out maybe one show a week we devote to to the like emails? The emails, like questions, questions and answers, or your last minute blues questions, I like or it. or or we could do this. We could we could sort of plan out Thursday the next time we do the podcast. We'll do a little chatter about Wednesday night, and then boom, like majority of podcast will be emails, and maybe we can get to the expansion emails as well. I love it. Yeah, lo- what do we good. think? We good? Yeah, I think we're yeah, good with fine. that. And because right. we still haven't paid off our expansion draft thing. No, we have oh, not. I've received right, yeah. a few uh, death threats. No, I have not. Not <laughs> yeah. death threats. Not yet. But they're right. in there. Right. Blues fans are intense. Blues fans are like, oh hey, I took all that time to uh, put my expansion draft. Yeah. And you never called. <laughs> Wait, what? Right. So let's get to this first email here from Marciano. He says, uh, "Good afternoon, boys. Mentally." Uh, so now the now that Vladdy is healthy and will be seeing some games, do you think the Blues will be looking to unload him, whether it be a trade for someone else or to just free cap space for future signings the team uh, team will need to deal with? I worry he will get injured again, and I'm sure you fellows and the Blues uh, got to sort of feel the same way. Thoughts? Love the podcast, by the way. I look forward to it. He's too good of a player to me to trade yeah. anytime soon until his arm is legitimately almost fallen off. And at yeah. that point, I doubt you can get anything for him. No. But we can't. I mean, these guys don't grow on trees, man. No, I think there's way too much invested in the guy at this point. Now, I don't mean financially. I just mean I think if we, we traded him, it would be it would be horrible for the team. I really do, and it would be irresponsible after everything that they both both sides have put into this. You got to give it a year of health before you give up on the guy, right? Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, but I do see a situation. Uh, Vladdy's contract mirrors Ryan O'Reilly exactly, and the time frame is they're both going to become unrestricted free agents at the exact same time. So what you do as an organization, in my opinion, is you monitor the rest of this season and you monitor next season. And then after that, you have one more season left of this dynamic duo. I would venture to say that they'll decide between one or the other, Tarasink and O'Reilly, depending on where the salary cap is. I don't expect it to go way up just because... People are losing money hand over fist right now. The flat cap was a nice option. But if teams are still in the red coming out of these two seasons, then that cap's going to stay where it's at. It's going to be tough. And if that's the case, then you move on from Tarasenko. 
You do. And the offseason before his last contract, the trade deadline is no longer the feeding frenzy it used to be. Right. Because teams want a full year of guys. So Vladimir Tarasenko on draft day or before the draft in that offseason, you move him. And you acquire maybe some of the top picks you can. And that's where you start to replenish the cupboard to keep the window open for winning as a franchise. Because if a push comes to shove, guys, I would have to say I'm keeping Ryan O'Reilly over Vladimir Tarasenko. And I hate to do that. It's like choosing between your children, right? Like, oh, which one do you pick? But the problem is that Ryan O'Reilly brings so much more to the table. And he's, his injury history, knock on wood. That's my... That was his skull. <laughs> that's wow, my skull. Still is. Um, he doesn't have injuries, and but you have to you have to make a decision, and you hope. Sorry, Donnie. You hope that Jordan Cairo by that point has been the guy to pick up the slack with all the points, and now you're not really going to be terribly off with it. You See, know? to me, it's not even like I mean, if it's between those two, it. I mean, I don't want to say no brainer right. because I love Tarasenko, but like everything Jamie said, I mean, O'Reilly does. Everything, yeah. like everything. It's I would your be... heartbeat of the team, right? 100%. So it's, it's tough. All right, so let's move on here. Uh, Braden sent us one here. He oh, says, Shinner. <laughs> I don't think it's that one. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, big fan of the show, lifelong Blues fan and hockey player. I attended a Blues summer camp in the 2000s when I was a kid, and Jamie was one of the NHL coaches for the camp. It's awesome to see him still around the St. Louis area and continue to have such a big impact on youth hockey in the area. My question is for Jamie. I was listening to the Splitting Chicklets podcast the other day, and oh, they were no. talking about fighting in the NHL in the late 90s and early 2000s and all the tough guys in the league. So I was wondering... Who was the most intimidating player you ever played against or even fought? Thanks for everything you guys do, and keep up the great work. Let's go, Blues. That's from Braden. Okay. That's a great question. That is. Shenner, thank you again for the email. Uh, <laughs> and thank you for changing your name to Martin for that yeah, one, too. That's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, so the most intimidating guy in the league at that time luckily wore a blue note, mm-hmm. and his name was Tony Twist. Okay. By far the most intimidating guy because he could end your life in a fight. Most guys couldn't do that. They'd they cut you up, maybe hurt you a little bit, but not end your life. And Twister could end your life. And so uh, so it was nice to have him on our team. It was a luxury. Yeah. I took mm-hmm. advantage of it. Trust me. Um, <laughs> the other guy, Bob Probert, you know, you, you just never knew what Probert was going to do next. And, of course, we know of his – his troubles, his roller coaster ride as an NHLer, and um, I've read his book, and I'm friends with his wife, Danny Probert, and she's awesome, and his kids, and there's a lot there, right? That it just got it got to be too much. But he was a guy that, if you pet the cat the wrong way, like he might just try to end your life, mm. and not even fight it. Like you just come skating in and cross check your head right off your shoulders. He tried to do it to me here in St. Louis one time. Um, I cross-checked him up a little high around the neck area. I don't know why. Just a dumb move. To <laughs> tell you children, don't do stupid things, and then you do stupid things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he turned and made eye contact, and his eyes had rolled like completely in the back of his head. I saw white in his eyes. Oh, God. And I tried to duck, and he tried to cross-check me right in the face. And I moved, and it hit my helmet and knocked my helmet off my head, and it hit the glass behind the net. That's how hard he tried to cross Is this me. on film by chance? I would love for to sure see this. For sure it's on this. film. It's oh got to be somewhere. He was gosh. with the Blackhawks at the time. And Fierzy jumped on his back, 
And then I jumped on him. We took him down to the ground, and he was trying to bite me and, and all this. And I was like, son of a bitch, get a muzzle on this guy. Right. Um, get one of those cones on him. Should have, yeah. yeah. Stop licking himself. But um, Yeah, don't make a guy do that. Yeah. I mean, if you get there, let him go. Kudos if he can. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Bob Probert was a guy that you just never knew what he was going to do next. And the other guy I hated, and I fought him once in preseason, was Ty Domi. And – Ty Domi, and I don't know if I've ever said it on here or if I said it on on the fast lane, but, like, Ty Domi was in my weight class, which is weird, right, because he fought pro, but he fought all those guys. But guys like Ty Domi and Joey Koser and things like that, because they weren't really big, they could they could drop down a weight class and mm. fight. So if instead of fighting Tony Twist that night, you know, he could come after me and people be like, well, he's only 5'9", you know, or 5'10", whatever the hell he was. And, but he could skate and he'd hit and he'd hit you from behind and he like so when I was in Ottawa again, where it was myself and Shane Knighty and that's pretty much it. Toronto had a bunch of tough guys and Ty Domi ran around like he had balls the size of church bells, mm-hmm. which he should have. Uh, and we got into it one time in front of the net in preseason, and we went at it. Not bad. I knew what he was going to do. He tries to spin his opponents around. He throws the left hand, and so you just have to be patient with Ty and figure out how he's doing it. Uh, it didn't go poorly at all. It was fine. But he's a guy that you always kept your head up. Always keep your head up because he'd come and run you. He'll slash you. And he was built like a little bowling ball. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are the two guys for me. Apart from that, I never really felt uneasy. And that's thanks to Tony Twist. Those were the two guys, though, that when you see them, you go, there is definitely not only tough, but a lot of crazy going yeah, on. Yeah, there's a little too, something man. off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I remember when Domi went after the guy that was chirping at him when he was in the penalty box. Well, the guy fell through the glass on top of him. Oh, he did. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I thought he was Domi- like reaching down and Domi like squirted him with water, which we did that at times because right. people just shut up. And the guy reached down, like acting like he was going to try and grab him, and the glass broke, and the guy ended up in the penalty box. Oh, God. <laughs> At that point, though, like— You, you bought off more than you could chew, That's pal. like falling into the lion cage when you're trying to make fun of the lion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, falling the zookeeper's like, got to come save your life. Yeah. <laughs> but you think about it, right? And this was at the time, late 90s, mid to late 90s. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened. Monica Sellis was stabbed. I, I was watching that like, when that happened. So you got a fan who ends up in the— Oh. Like Ty Domi was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm chucking nucks here. We're right, going yeah. boom, boom. Kevin Collins, the linesman, jumped in and tried to stop it all. And it's like, it becomes real. Well, you know the thing about it is, I go to games. I like to get fired up. I like to hoot. I like to holler. But at no point could I ever see my fandom reaching over into a penalty box at Ty Domi and trying to trying to. Talk oh, Donnie, you have no if... idea what people have tried to do. Oh, no, I'm sure. It's... No, I'm sure. It's insane. No, I'm sure. I just, you know, man, I guess What that's... if it was Pierre Maguire sitting there in the penalty box? <laughs> then would you go? Yeah, all bets are off. We're going to see Donnie yeah. breaking through the glass on Pierre, who's just inside the glass doing right. the game. He's like, well, you know, Chicago Blackhawks look great. No, they don't. There's a guy in a blue shirt jumping the ice. I hate you, Brett Seabrook. All right, let's see. uh, Another email. Why is there a hamster on the ice? (laughs) All right. Uh, This one is coming from Josh. Hello, boys. Long time, first time. Uh, I've been a big fan of Mike Hoffman since he became a blue, uh, even though, as I told my friends, he looks very much like my girlfriend's ex. Uh, As the season has progressed, I've become enough of a fan that it doesn't matter who who he looks like. 
Uh, I enjoy watching him play. So my two-part question, one, is Hoffman playing to expectations and therefore justifying my adulation rather than the other's criticism? B, is there any way the Blues can keep Hoffman around more than one year? Or should I accept the fact that this is an adult hockey fan's version of a summer romance? I look forward to hearing Jamie's opinion. Love the podcast, fellas. Keep up the good work. That's from Josh. That's a hell of an email, Josh. I've uh, played a couple, two, three periods of hockey in my life, um, but not much. And I look at that guy, and I all I can think of is he's not fitting in with anybody. That's what I think. And I don't know if it's just the one-year contract is bouncing around in my head. But when I see him skating around, I and I, and I just focus on him because, again, Jamie said in the past, if you really want to learn about hockey, don't watch the puck. Watch the guys without the puck, that sort of thing. So I do that with him. He just seems out of place. And when he's sitting on the bench, it just doesn't seem like he's one of the guys. Is that just in my head? Well, I think the way that I look at this man is that I see how the Blues play, the physical style that they play, and he seems to be the one guy that ain't throwing the body, like, ever. And I think it's very noticeable. But then when he's coming down on the side with that shot, man, oh, man, that is one kind of rocket. Yeah, he's a coach killer, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but uh, when you look at Craig Berube and the way he wants the St. Louis Blues to play hockey, it's tight checking. It's all about a hard forecheck. It's all about a a very tight neutral zone. He talks about closing guys out and gapping up on guys, which means there's no time and space for guys out there, the opposition. Mike Hoffman is just not that player. He's just not that player. You watch him out there, and we did a little video session on him uh, for Fox Sports Midwest, and uh, it was, it, the whole thing was on Mike Hoffman, and I just circled him several times because I'm like, he's always just playing hide-and-seek. You know, he's over here. He's never really doing anything, but the other team loses track of him. And all of a sudden, the puck comes over, and boom, it's in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Or boom, it's on the net. There's a rebound. There's a play. Mike Hoffman is extremely talented at creating offense. Uh, he doesn't have a well-rounded game. And I think that that's where you're seeing, Jeff, like when you're saying he doesn't fit in. You're right. It's it's not like a, the black sheep or or the white sheep amongst the black sheep. It's it's kind of like a, a spotted sheep, black and white, <laughs> because there's moments of fitting in perfect, exactly what the blues need. But then there's other moments where it's not fitting in, and you see his ice time go down, and then it looks like he hasn't even broke a sweat out there. But then two shifts later, he scores a tying goal. You're like, wait, wait, wait I love him again. You know? Right, yeah. He will not resign with the Blues. I, I, I'm just going to say that now. I don't know. It's my own opinion. He will not resign with the Blues. The Blues have found out enough about Jordan Cairo in the offense that he can provide. Robert Thomas is going to look to make steps forward. Too much on the table for a – can't remember – can't forget. So he's $4 million this year. He's really a $6 million player. Wow. Really, that's what he is. If you look at his points, his goal totals over the last six, seven years, so somebody's going to pay him five, six, seven million dollars moving forward, or it'll be a multi year deal at five, five and a half. The Blues don't have those pockets. So enjoy Mike Hoffman while you can. Uh, He is a handsome devil. You know, so let's take that in. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a summer romance. You know, unfortunately, yeah, sometimes right, yeah. they got to they okay. come to an end. So we're going to hit it and quit it. Big All deal. Right. Well, so here's what we'll do. We'll hang on to the rest of these emails. <laughs> we'll hang on to the rest of these emails until Thursday. Thursday, we will get to more emails. Send them our way. LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. You can also hit us on the Twitter as well. Yeah, at blues underscore last. Send your questions over there. If you follow us, we'll follow you back. Automatic follow back. We want to have everybody involved in what we're doing. Let us know uh, if you got any questions. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, our dude, Jamie Rivers, as always. Let's go Blues! The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. 
Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.